0: Drowning in Manga, where we explore the deep dark abyss of manga. I am Vlord GTZ, and today I have my co-host with me, Meow900. Yeah, yes, we have Meow900 here, also known as Allison, and this is a brand new podcast on All Comic, talking about manga. But unlike Manga Mavericks, we're taking it in a bit different direction. Basically, this podcast will have two different components. A recap portion, where we're going to mainly be focusing on Weekly Shonen Sunday and Weekly Shonen Magazine titles. And then we'll have a general discussion or series discussion section, where we'll talk about a general topic or a specific series that we go about reading. And, yeah, so... I'd say this is going to be a pretty fun podcast. I've been wanting to do my own podcast for a while after being on Manga Mavericks a few times, and I know both Allison and I enjoy manga a lot. We are drowning in manga, literally. Um, That's why the podcast is called Drowning in Manga. Good old inside joke. But yeah, are you, are you ready to
1: get into this, Allison? Yep, I have no idea what we're doing. <laughs>
0: But yeah, so we're, today for our recap portion, we're going to be covering three series, two of which are in Shonen Sunday, and one of which is a brand new series in Weekly Shonen Magazine. So let's just get right into this. Great. So the first series we're going to be talking about is Zero's Tea Time, a Detective Conan spinoff that focuses on Amaru Toru, also known as Bourbon, also known as Fourier, Ray. Also, uh, yeah, so uh, he has like three different identities. He's basically the triple agent of Detective Conan. And this series is done by uh, Takiro Arai, who uh, is not Gosho Ayama, obviously. But he does a very good job of replicating uh, um, uh, Gosho's uh, art style, which is really cool. So, we, both of us read the first four chapters of this, and I guess we'll just kind of do a brief little recap here of what happens. Um, and the first chapter basically, uh, focuses on Amuro working at Café Paroi, and basically he's, uh, just making, uh, some, uh, tea and, like, working his daily job, and he basically just, like, uh, Notices all these little things about the customers, and he notices this one woman uh, wanted hot water so that uh, they can take their medicine. And then at the end of the chapter, it's all like, oh, Amaro has a secret life, which we already knew if you've read the manga.
1: <laughs> I'm working on it. It's just a really big backlog.
0: Yes, I- I'm sure it is for most people. Um, and then the second chapter focuses on his uh, basically briefly on his life as a black organization member as Bourbon. And he has this uh, little talk with Verma, uh, just like talking about whatever the black organization is planning. They're always planning something because they're the black organization. <laughs> and uh, she talks about this like little uh, flambé style recipe that uh the waiters showing off at the restaurant that they're at, and in the second half of the chapter, Amuro tries to do like a Japanese style version of that, <laughs> which was pretty funny. Um, and then going into chapter three, chapter three focuses on uh, his MP- MPA life as a national police member, which I found really interesting since we don't really see what he does as a national police officer in the actual manga itself so it was kind of cool to see him like in this uh kind of line of work and he has like his his like little uh partner uh kazami yuya and yeah it kind of is just them trying to catch this bad guy and then uh they uh try to go to a Get food, and his partner Kazumi falls asleep while uh, Amaro is driving. He was tired. And then, uh, chapter four goes back to his cafe work, and he's uh, with, uh, oh yeah, he's with uh, his partner uh, who works with him at the cafe, Azusa, while they're trying to get ingredients for the cafe, and uh, Azusa gets into into a fight with this middle aged woman over like a. Uh, pack of noodles and uh, Amaro uh, yep. talks to uh, I think a trainee and convinces uh, him to get another pack of noodles from the back so both uh, Azusa and the old lady uh, can uh, both get their noodles. <laughs> really like this This is very much a slice of life series. If you're expecting like Amaro to do uh, some like weirdly dark stuff in this I, I think uh that's not going to happen. <laughs> like, I, in chapter four, at the end of it, it's like, next time, we're going to see the secrets of Amuro's power, and I'm just like, yeah, it's going to be him going to the gym or something. <laughs> Literally. I wouldn't be surprised if it's chapter five is just him going to the gym. <laughs> um, but yeah, wh- what did you think of this series, Allison? Uh, as someone who
1: has no background on Conan, outside of whatever is on Crunchyroll, I find this series to be very welcoming and good.
0: Yeah, I definitely have to agree. Like, I'm also a big uh Bourbon and uh, Amaro fan, and yeah, just just you, just seeing him in this kind of way, and like just his daily life is like really kind of entertaining, and I can definitely see why this is a uh, seems to be doing really well in uh Shonen Sunday, like. I think the first issue that it debuted in sold out.
1: Yeah, I guess it helps that Bourbon is a welcoming presence in this era of Sunday where Conan is not with us.
0: Yeah, whenever Conan's on hiatus like it is right now, um, yeah, it kind of fills the gap. And of course, we we do plan to talk about Conan on this podcast as well because I'm a huge Conan fan. But... Just having, like, an accessible series like this is also really nice, because, like, I feel like if you even have no context for who Amaro is, you could go into Zero's tea time and enjoy it a lot.
1: It reminds me of Food Wars a little bit, because he cooks. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. And the food looks delicious. Yeah, in, in, like, all
0: four of the chapters, they're either doing something related to food, or they mention food. Like, chapter three, they're about to go to a restaurant, and then in... Chapters 1 and 2, Amuro is literally cooking.
1: Feed me, Amaro.
0: <laughs> oh my god. I'm sure there's a lot of uh, Conan fangirls out there that would love uh, Amaro to feed them.
1: His food looks delicious.
0: But yeah, I enjoyed this series a lot. I hope it continues to do well in Shonen Sunday. Uh, Takahiro Arai is a great artist. He does a very good job of uh, replicating Oyama's art
1: style. And yeah... Overall, I enjoyed it a lot. Me too. It's like Shonen without needing the Shonen.
0: <laughs> a very good analogy there.
1: <laughs> if that makes sense at all.
0: Yeah. But yeah, I think we've uh, summed up our uh, thoughts on Zero's Tea Time. So let's go to our next Shonen Sunday series Silver Spoon.
1: Yay! Silver
0: Spoon recently came off hiatus and I'm a huge Silver Spoon fan. I know Allison's also a huge Silver Spoon fan. Yeah, she, she loves Silver Spoon. Um, and yeah, so we'll be talking about chapters 124 and 125 of Silver Spoon. Yay. So, basically, if for people who've forgotten what happened in the last set of chapters, Hachikin has to take um a exam to go to college so that he can get a, I think it was like a health regulation degree uh, to help run his pig business, or how they want to eventually expand their pig business, or whatever. So basically, he's starting to cram for that like crazy, and uh, it's kind of affecting his uh, sleep schedule and uh, basically his... uh, Time that you can spend with uh, Mikage. And yeah, so a good chunk of the chapter is just him, like, literally being drawn as this, like, squiggly line.
1: I'm sure you can relate to that.
0: <laughs> yes, as, as a no sleep person, <laughs> I, I can definitely relate to that. But yeah, like.
1: V <laughs> Lord is a squiggly line in real life.
0: Yeah, like, he goes to one of his, I think the, they call it a room exam, with uh, his friend Aikawa, and he, uh, he, he's just a squiggly line, and then Ayame shows up, uh, who's, like, the crazy horse girl, uh, and she's full of energy, and, like, literally, you know, like Hachiken goes back to being, like, a squiggly line again, which is amazing.
1: Yeah. And
0: then later in the chapter, we see uh, Hachiken's brother um talking to uh ayame's uh parents and uh teachers and uh they're just like thanking him so much for being able to get her to the point that she wouldn't fail out of high school because like her, her teachers like crying that like they tried everything and all this stuff and like it, it's just like really funny and then all of Ayane, Ayame's like extended family comes to like, like the Skype call or whatever, and starts thanking Hachiken's brother. <laughs> <laughs> like God, it is so great. I I, re- I really like that. Uh, Hachiken's brother still like has like found a purpose in this like series, even after his initial introduction. Because yeah, he, he, his antics and sad stuff is always fun. And basically, uh, chapter 124 ends off with uh, basically their second semester of their third year ending. So uh, basically, the third years at uh, at the school can basically do whatever they want now. Because if I recall in the earlier chapters of the series, they mentioned that in the third semester, they're mainly uh, either looking for jobs, finding a place to live, or... Studying for exams, so they usually don't have like a lot of class. And then uh, uh, at the at the end of the chapter, we get what a uh, Ayame's score on the exam was, and it's like a two hundred and twenty-two, which I think is supposed to be pretty bad because I think it's like the exams out of like a thousand or whatever. <laughs> and like Hachiken's brother's face is just like dead inside. It's amazing.
1: Yeah, Arakawa is good at drawing the funny faces. <laughs> yeah,
0: I love Arakawa's uh, art style so much. And yeah, so then we go to chapter 125, which uh, basically is about Hachiken having a really terrible day. Uh, yep. He wakes up to like the aftermath of like some big snowstorm. He thinks school might be canceled because... It's, like, impossible to get to class. And he gets to he gets to school, like, super late. He thinks, oh, I'm sure, like, everyone <laughs> else didn't get late like, to school. Like, everyone else came late like, to school, too. They probably didn't help hold the graduation exam. And he gets to his class, and there's only nine minutes left in the exam. So Hashkin has to speed through it, and in the process, he loses his, uh... Top spot for the first time in high school, because like the school, he's like the smartest kid in the school. Because like most of these guys are like c- country bumpkins, to <laughs> say the least. So yeah, and like their teachers just like being a total like kind of like funny jerk about it. like once you get into the real world, these things are common. So you gotta get used to it. And they're just all freaking out. <laughs>
1: We are both from the north, so we can relate to snow problems. Yeah, oh, snow. And
0: then, like, the, the rest of the chapter is like, uh, Hachikin's kind of wishing for good luck at a shrine, and he's trying to uh, ask Mik- Mikage to go on a date with him. And then, uh, Hachikin's teacher shows up and intervenes in the conversation and invites them, uh, to go to dinner with him. Um, and they go to, uh,.
1: He said he talks about
0: lecherous things? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, They go to, uh, I think it's, I forget what it's called. They go to a food stall, but it's, like, this really fancy, uh, food stall that sells, like, these very, like, uh, high-quality pork and meat dishes, and, uh, basically, it turns out Hotchkin's teacher took him here to show him kind of, like, his, like, potential competition and, like, what what he should like uh uh what he should be like striving for with like his company and uh, also he meets some uh, ri- uh I think rival meat manufacturers um who also uh he gets a work connection with then which will help him with future endeavors with his business because they're also looking for uh pasture raised pigs which is what he is uh raising right now. So overall, it was a great learning experience for Hachiken, which was a very good highlight of his day, which had been pretty rough. Uh,
1: uh, poor Hachiken.
0: And then, of course, the funniest and uh, weirdest part of this chapter, um, as uh he and the Mikage are heading home, um, to both of them to go study, um, Hachiken's like in the middle of the sidewalk, and it seems like he's gonna get hit by a car, like. I don't think it's gonna be uh brutal or anything. I don't think he's gonna get like seriously injured. This isn't Fuka.
1: <laughs> but uh I'm still worried anyways.
0: Yeah, I mean it seems like something's definitely gonna happen, but it seems like it's gonna be more like a minor like injury. Maybe he has to like lay in bed for a few days. Cause like the way like Arakawa draws this panel, it doesn't look like it's a serious accident.
1: I'm still worried anyways.
0: Yeah, um... I guess we'll have to see in chapter one twenty six when that comes out.
1: I'm so I'm I'm so glad it didn't end with end on hiatus with that note.
0: Oh, that would have been be like... brutal. <laughs> like to be honest, I think next week's chapter will probably be the last chapter in this current batch because, like, for the last uh... two batches, Arakawa has only drawn three chapters and then went back on hiatus. So I guess we'll have to see. Like, the Please series don't is be in. dead. <laughs> He's not going to be dead. But I mean, like, I wonder how much we really have left in Silver Spoon. Because the series has been kind of heading towards its ending for a while and most of the plot threads are kind of done. Like, in the last batch of chapters, Hotchkin finally got on pretty good terms with his father, which was like a one big, like I guess, driving plot thread throughout the series, and Mikage is like, passed her exams. So, really, after Hachiken passes his exams, there's not much... This is like, that's basically it. Like, I guess we still have that stuff with, uh... Komaba, the baseball player, because he was, uh... He was getting uh, tutoring from Hachiken's brother after he dropped out of, uh, high school. So, I guess we'll figure out what his, uh, fate is by the end of the series. But besides that, like, everything else is wrapped up. But, yeah, I mean you have any other thoughts on this, Allison? I'm really hoping that chicken isn't injured. <laughs> I, I am hoping too. I, I think he's probably fine, but uh, we'll have to see it uh, next week.
1: You got it in your car, so I'm worried. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think we're uh, basically done uh, talking about Silver Spoon. So let's head to our... One Shonen Magazine uh, series for this uh, week, which is Shinobu Otaka's new series, Orient! Yay! For those who don't know who Shinobu Otaka is, she is the uh, creator of Magi, Adventure of Sinbad, and Sumo Mo Mo Mo. I think that's how many Mo's are in there. There's a lot of Mo's in that title. <laughs> what is Sumo Mo Mo? Sumo momo momo was her uh series that ran in uh I forget what magazine it was it was uh it was her series in a Young Gangon. and and uh what's yeah
1: young
0: It's a magazine published by Square Enix. So what what's interesting about Shinobu Otake I guess is that basically all her major works have been by different publishers. So uh Sumo momo momo uh, was uh published by Square Enix. Uh, Magi and Sinbad were published by uh, Shogaku-kan because it's Shonen Sunday and uh, now she's at Kodansha which kind of goes with the meme of like tons of people moving to Kodansha but uh, <laughs> that's more of a funny coincidence if anything I think but yeah when I heard uh, she was having a new series in Shonen Magazine though I went insane I, I was so excited because I'm a huge Magi fan, I'm a huge Sinbad fan so yeah, seeing her work on something new uh, was a really exciting thought. And after reading this first chapter, god dang did she deliver. She, she did an amazing job with this. But I guess I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit. Let's uh, first give a little bit of a recap of uh, what, what this series is about. So uh, this takes place uh ancient Japan, I think it is the Sengoku period. And it's, a it's like a fictional take on the Sengoku period. There is a, uh, warrior's called Bushi. And these Bushi fight, uh, these mysterious life forms known as Kishin, which are basically kind of these demonic alien creatures. And for a long time, they fought over control of, uh, of the human world. And the story focuses on, uh, to, uh, two kids, Musashi and Kojiro, who, when children, both wanted to be Bushi, but then after several years, the world has been taken over by uh, the Oni, and basically they've kind of brainwashed the humans into thinking that the Onis are the good guys, and the Bushi were some like crazy war-hungry savages. So uh, basically, our main character Musashi, despite all this, still wants to be a bushi, but has been hiding it um, from everyone else who are basically all being trained to be miners. Because being a miner is like the cool big job in the in the oni ruled world for some reason. <laughs> and basically, like for the early parts of the of the chapter, it's kind of him trying to hide the fact that he's, uh wants to be a Bushi, and, like, it, he's, like, very, like, immersed in, like, the compliments other people give him, so it seems like Musashi's, like, a bit conflicted. Um, one of my favorite parts in this chapter is uh when, like, their uh, teacher for their school, mining school has them sing this song about wanting to be a miner. It's like... My dream is to become a miner, And then, like, underneath, like, uh, Musashi's uh, breath, he's, like, saying the words, (laughs) BUSHI! (laughs) BUSHI! But yeah, um, as the chapter goes on, um, Musashi is uh, very conflicted about the fact that very soon he'll be a professional miner because he's almost done with the school. So he goes to Kojiro's place, saying that he wants to, uh, basically escape with Kojiro and go fight the Oni of the world, but Kojiro basically, uh, tries to trick him into thinking that, uh, oh, the Bushi were all just a tall tale that my father told me, they aren't real, and, uh... Musashi, do you really want to become a Bushi? You seem perfectly happy with being a Miner. I hear how you're talking to all those other people and how they're complimenting you about being such a good Miner and this kind of frustrates Musashi and he uh, ends up running away from Kojiro's place and going to the graduation ceremony uh, for the Miners but once they get inside to meet kind of the leader of their kind of village that's run by the oni it's basically a slave mining cave and like these weird cat demon things are eating or sla- slashing open all the miners who disobey orders or don't do a good job
1: yeah it certainly was an image of cute kitties and really epped up imagery
0: yeah, like he's the, the like the actual outer appearance of like these cat demons looks kind of cute, but then you see these all these weird
1: sharp fangs coming out of their mouths,
0: and it's just like what the hell.
1: And then you see there's like people's bodies being cut in half.
0: Yeah, that that was just kind of like what the heck kind of moment. Yep. I I, I love the part reaction afterwards where like. Everyone's kind of freaking out, but Musashi's like, I knew it! I knew the Bushi tales weren't alive! The Onis are the bad guys! I'm gonna slay these guys! And then he realized that he forgot his, uh, demon-slaying sword, because they had them take all the- they took all their belongings on the way in. Uh, and then, uh, they pan back to Musashi's, uh, or not Musashi, uh, Kojiro's, uh, place where he- sees this, uh, training notebook that, uh, Musashi had left in his place. And, basically, while Musashi, who's basically fighting fist-to-fist with these cat demons and losing terribly, Kojiro rides in on this, like, freaking, uh...
1: Motorcycle!
0: Yeah, this freaking motorcycle! Which just was insane, like, there's this, like, two-page spread of, uh, Kojiro on this, like, awesome motorcycle, getting the wheel deep into, like, the cat demon's, like, head. It it looks so cool.
1: I knew I had a good feeling about him when I saw him for the first time. Yeah. Then when that motorcycle scene happened, I'm like, yep, he is the best boy here.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but basically, uh, Kojiro, uh, hands him his, his, uh, uh, Musashi his blade, and, uh, he basically, uh, shows Kojiro all the training he's been doing in secret. And he basically takes up, his scythe shoves it into the ground, cause in the fighting style he does, that's like the sheath of the sword. And he slices the demon straight in half. And there's just this, like, really cool shot of him, like, sp- like springing up the scythe and it just, like, smashes straight through the demon it's, it's so cool and yeah uh basically uh, he and uh, Kochiro kind of just fight off these uh demons for a bit and Musashi's like I want to go like adventure the world with you Kochiro slaying these demons together <laughs> and uh then suddenly this uh mysterious uh uh creature comes down who's supposed to be uh lord kishin which is like the leader of this uh kind of section of uh i guess japan or whatever like i think they call him like he's the god of the oni so i guess he's like i'm not sure that means he's the boss of all the oni or just like this section of oni i think we'll find out in future chapters but basically like kojuro and masashi are like they're gonna take them on eventually and like it ends off with them being like let's do this it's time to slay some oni so, yeah. Allison, what did you think about this chapter overall?
1: Yeah, I thought it was pretty good. I liked the action scenes. Nam Musashi is a cool boy, but Gojiro uh, is a cooler boy. Cause he, he rides on a motorcycle. Yeah, that that
0: part was so cool. But yeah, I, I definitely have to agree with you. I, I love the action in this. I love both of the characters. They seem like very fun characters. And yeah, really like... If if I'm being honest here, like, this is probably Otaka's best first chapter. Like, I love Magi, but I feel the first chapter isn't its strongest, especially since the first chapter of the manga doesn't even introduce Alibaba or Morgiana. And Sumo Momomo's first chapter is kind of, uh... It's it's entertaining, but it's not, like... It's not, like, a super pump-up type of series. It's more of, like... The first chapter is more of, like, comedy-based. But, like, this first chapter kind of just really shows how much Otaka has grown as a mangaka because she's just taking everything we love about Shonen here. The, the fun characters, the little bit of humor, and just all the great, awesome action that uh, she's capable of doing in her fantastic art style and taking and just shoving it in this one beautiful first chapter package. And honestly, I hope this does well in Shonen Magazine because goddamn, I'm ready for another Shinobu Otaka series. And I also really hope uh, Kodanshi USA picks us up because I think I think this is the perfect series to simul pub.
1: Yeah, I mean we all know that fairy tale guys manga is probably gonna get more clicks in the long run because that's basically their Naruto.
0: I mean that's definitely true. I mean fair, fair, uh, Kiramashima's new series is definitely gonna be successful, and I feel Magi uh, the uh, Shobo Otaku's new series is also gonna be. Successful too. Like, I think Orient has a lot of potential in the Western market. So, I hope uh, Kod- Kodancha's usually done a very good job of picking up uh, manga. So, I hope they do uh, do what I hope and pick up Orient either for volume releases or for Pub. I'll be happy with either. Um, I've already bought the issue that uh, this chapter was in in Shonen Magazine off Bookwalker Japan. So, I'm at least going to try to support the Japanese volume releases as I can. And I'll put Links to that stuff in the description. But I hope we definitely get an English release for this. Because that'll allow it to get to a wider range of people. And I think a lot of people will enjoy this.
1: I will buy it if they put it in English.
0: Yeah, I, I, I enjoy this a lot. I'm looking forward to more. Um, And yeah, this this was a fantastic first chapter. Yeah, so yeah, I definitely recommend checking it out. Wouldn't you agree, Allison?
1: Yeah, and on the cover of the magazine, there's also my boy Satoru agent from baseball.
0: Oh yeah, the cover does have him. Yeah. Uh, that that's another series I really have to read.
1: It, it's cute and good and has a lot of good baseball times.
0: Yeah, I mean, speaking of other series, though, we are planning to add more series than besides these three to our recap section. Yeah. So okay. next uh next episode, we're planning to add uh, Detective Conan, Hajime no Ippo. And then eventually we'll add a few other series as well. We're thi- we think we kind of made a list a while back and we that we basically have to catch up on a few. Because there are a lot of series in both uh, Shonen Sunday and Shonen Magazine that we enjoy a lot. But a lot of them we're kind of behind on. So I think a few we were thinking about was Seven Deadly Sins, obviously, To an Eternity, uh, Hiro Mashima's new series that's coming up, Eden Zero, uh, Sheriff Evans's Lies which is in Sheldon Sunday, Mary Grave which is also in Sheldon Sunday and Sarah Dury Children which is in Sheldon Magazine. Um so we're going to think we're going to think through a few of these and see which ones we want to keep up with, which ones we want to cover and all that stuff. And yeah, we're, we're just going to go a bit of this just like with the flow and see what happens. But uh, next week for sure we're going to talk about Detective Conan cuz big stuff is going to happen in Detective Conan and I love Detective Conan.
1: I will be and there. Hajime
0: no Ippo, despite all the controversy in uh, recent events, I actually still find the series very interesting to read. So I think that would also be an interesting discussion. So yeah, and catching up. Yeah, Allison, uh, who I think has read far more Epo than me, um, is gotten pretty far dent into the series. So I think we'll at least have a little bit to talk about because I'm well, I'm not caught up. I have read. Uh, a lot of the recent stuff since uh, ever since Epo was uh, got diagnosed with a uh, punch trunk syndrome. So, uh, yeah, so yeah, I, th- I think we'll be able to talk a decent amount about Epo, and also Epo is kind of a, a flagship title in Weekly Shonen Magazine. So I feel like we kind of have to talk about it if our, re- our if our recap sections are going to be covering Shonen Sunday and Shonen Magazine series.
1: Yeah, plus Epo is a faster read than Conan, because it's a lot of action, not a lot of dialogue. Yeah,
0: Epo is, like, a pretty fast read, too, so that definitely helps. But yeah, I'm that, really uh... We're on
1: chapter 628. <laughs> you only have, like, 600
0: chapters more to go, Allison.
1: woo I can do this.
0: Yeah. I mean, hey, I've read, uh, 100-plus volumes of JoJo, uh, over 1,000 chapters of Conan... This, this stuff is, isn't is easy, but it's possible. So keep powering through, Allison. You can do it. I can do it. Use the, use the shonen powers that you've gained by reading so much manga.
1: e <laughs> Yeah,
0: this basically uh, concludes our recap section. And uh, we're going to go into our general discussion now, which will be about how we got into manga, and then our top three favorite manga. So let's do this. Okay, so now we're going to talk about how both of us got into manga as a reading medium. Um, so, Allison, do you want to begin? Should I begin?
1: You go first, because you're a little better at introductions.
0: <laughs> well, okay then. Uh, so I got into manga, I think, around probably... geez, like, around <laughs> at the time I was like probably six or seven... And basically, I went to the library one day, and I saw, I think, a few single issues of Pokemon Adventures Yellow. And I was like, oh, cool, it's a Pokemon comic. I, like, I didn't even recognize that it was really manga, and I just kind of saw Pokemon on it. And I'm like, oh, who, who's this character Yellow? I don't know what this is, but it's Pokemon. I don't care, I'm going to read it. And then, like, on top of that, um, I was also really into... The Dragon Ball anime at the time, because I had watched a bit of Dragon Ball and Toonami, and I like my library had a lot of uh, Dragon Ball Z and Dragon Ball manga volumes, so I kind of started reading those, and that expanded into an interest for Shonen Jump, which got me into to One Piece and a bunch of other stuff, and then that kind of just kept expanding and expanding over the years, and now I am a huge psycho manga collector, as some people may know on Twitter... Uh, I have over uh thirteen hundred volumes of manga, and it keeps growing. Send help, uh, but but yeah, that that basically sums up. Uh, uh, that's basically like a cliff cliff notes of uh, my manga experience. So I said, "What is uh, your kind of?" Uh, I guess a basic gist of uh, how you got into manga. Uh, well, I was into this anime
1: called Pokemon. That was a uh thing that aired on TV and had a different art style compared to other cartoons. So then I tried picking up Pokemon Yellow with the librarian. And then the librarian tells me, oh, hey, we got this manga called Fruit Baskets or, well, they called it Fruits Baskets, and they had, like, a similar art style to Pokemon Pikachu Yellow thing. So I read that. I liked it because it had cute animals and cute dudes and stuff. Then, like, I read some more mangoes. I never really got into the big stuff. I was more into Bruce Baskets and I think Goron was another one I got into because of the anime being so cute and good. And then it's just like, oh man, it's full-on mangoes. And then later on, Tsunami came back and I saw all this other Japan things. And I'm like, oh, this is like a whole other genre thing that I didn't know about existed until there's now. So I started exploring everywhere. Saw Crunchyroll and all a whole bunch of manga, so I started reading stuff on there. I read Fairy Tail that way, and I read Attack on Titan that way. And then media is like, think we got these free issues of Shonen Jump over here. And I'm like, okay, I read these, and I'm like, dang man, this quality's better than what I get on them sites. And then like, holy crap, is this is $3 a month? It's like a cup of coffee a month. I'm going to do this instead. Then it's like, oh man, a whole bunch of mangoes. Now they're they're these light novels too. I'm going to read these too. And uh, now I'm like almost drowning in manga and light novels as He-Lord, but not as much, I guess. Like I, I, I may be in the 100s for collecting volumes of mangoes, but not in the 1000s like he is.
0: Yeah, I don't even know how I got this deep in the manga hole. Like, one day I was at 200, and then uh, it just went to 500, and then 600, then 1,000, then 1,200, now it's over 1,300. I have a problem.
1: <laughs> well, that's why we're doing this, to help you slowly not drown as much in anger.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, do, I do find it interesting that uh, you also... One of your first manga was also Pokemon, the Pokemon Adventures yellow arc. That's a nice little coincidence.
1: (laughs) It wasn't really yellow, it was the one with Ash and Misty and it had Pikachu in it.
0: Oh, electro tail Pikachu.
1: Yeah. I got confused because the game is called Yellow. yeah,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: And it's where you get Pikachu as a starter.
0: Yeah, I have not read that much of Electric Tale Pikachu. Like, I think I have a few, like, single issues of it. Somewhere in my manga collection abyss.
1: It's pretty good.
0: Yeah, I, I should it's get around alive. to it at some point.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah I yep. mean, I guess, uh, speaking of uh, getting through our backlogs, when we're not having a general discussion like this, um, we'll tr- I'm gonna, my plan is to basically have us, uh, talk about just regular series that we'll go through, maybe some, uh, shorter works, maybe some more underrated series, or just even something that's new coming out that we're really passionate about. Really just anything to just make a little dent in our manga backlog.
1: Yep. So, yeah, I should do Conan backlog updates. Like, Star Trek long, except with Conan. Oh my
0: god, that'd be amazing. But yeah, since we uh, don't have a specific series review this week, we're going to be having a general discussion about our top three favorite manga. Yay. So, Allison, do you want me to go first, or should I go first?
1: I can go first, since I prepared a little better for this.
0: Yeah, you, you seemed uh, to be thinking very hard about this. Um, So I think what we should do here is uh, you say your number three, and then I'll say my number three. Then you say your second, I'll say my second, and then first, first. Okay. Yeah, so let's start with your number three, then
1: uh okay my number three is mob psycho 100 uh, because when i read all of it it made me get teary eyeballs and plus it has an ending conclusive stories so you can actually read it and not be invested for a thousand chapters like people or going <laughs> for one case
0: yeah I- i've been really meaning to read mob psycho because just, just like, I'm a big fan of One Punch Man, both the manga and the webcomic. Like, I especially, like, in the later parts of the webcomic that haven't been adapted, One really shows just the raw kind of emotions that he can pull off and just the intensity. Like, people call, some people call One, like, a bad artist, and I completely disagree with that. Because if you look at the art for A Mob Psycho, or even the later parts of a One Punch Man webcomic, it is really well done. It's not your most, I guess, uh, traditionally visually appealing, but just the actual way things are presented is just so great. Like, I'd i highly recommend if you don't want to get spoiled or anything, uh, if you, or I guess if you don't bother getting spoiled, looking at the webcomic version of the uh, Garo vs. Saitama fight, the final battle between them, because that is so cool in the webcomic. And it really shows what yeah, one is capable Gagaro of. And is so cute. <laughs> yeah, Gagara is awesome. But yeah, I, I guess I should go with uh my number three now, which is uh JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. But yeah, JoJo, I got into uh like around twenty twelve, like right around the time the anime started. But instead of watching the anime, I actually went straight to the manga at the time for whatever reason. Um, and yeah, I kind of just like got hooked on it right away from like the first chapter just the unique art style and the kind of different part structure set up and after like i think about two years or so i just kind of caught up with it <laughs> and yeah really like it It has been such a great experience i've went on to like extensive talks about how much i love jojo on uh the manga maverick po- manga mavericks podcast that we uh talked about Jojo for several hours and stuff, so I'm not going to go into that again here, but really, Jojo is such a great series that really kind of showed me even, like, bigger scope of what Battle Shonen is capable of and what just action series and manga are capable of. Eh,
1: neo needs to catch up on that. Yeah, you are on,
0: like, part 4, right?
1: I'm on part 5 now. It's just... Uh, so much JoJo's so much mango
0: yeah I mean like JoJo does take a while to get through Like that's the curse of it being like 100 plus volumes but just the great part about JoJo though is that cause it's basically 8 separate series like there's so many stopping points for you to like take a little break and get back to it so I feel in that regard even though it's so long it's also not that hard to get through in the long run. Yeah. Which is nice. Yeah,
1: it's not like Epo where I'm like Endless Epo. <laughs> yeah, the good thing about Epo though is that it's good. It's like long good.
0: Yeah, and like the chapters are pretty quick anyways.
1: Yeah, Epo is good.
0: Yeah. But yeah, um so yeah, JoJo. Really good manga. Surprise. I I'm sure no one has recommended JoJo before. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I guess uh, we should go on to your number two now, Allison.
1: My number two is on High School Host Clip. I read this after watching the anime and crying so many times because of how it ended in an incomplete way. And I just got the box set because it was cheaper than buying the volumes all at once. And everyone's like, hey man, start number one, they cut stuff out from the anime. And I'm like, okay, man. I got this, then I read, I read all of it, and it made me get teary-eyes cause so much relationship progress in so many fields. Uh, OTPs happen at the end, but if you watch on, you'd probably figure out who the OTP is, so I won't spoil it. It's a good time. If you like the anime, you should read the mango and get a little better, more complete ending. So would you prefer the manga over the anime?
0: Yes. Hmm, okay. Yeah, those... Have one you heard those, different uh,
1: opinions? Hmm, what? Have you heard different opinions?
0: Nah, I was just curious because I've never actually read or watched Oran. Uh oh, surprisingly. Like like my brother Sid is like very into it. Or he was very into it when he initially watched it, but I I I just kinda like at the time, I think I was in this phase that I just didn't want to watch like shoujo anime, as as dumb as that sounds. Because, yeah. yeah, but uh, I I definitely want to give like it
1: shoujo parody though.
0: I yeah I know, but I definitely want to give it a reader watch now because like I am a lot more open minded now, and I think I would enjoy it based on what I've heard. So yeah,
1: it's it's so good.
0: Yeah, so I'll definitely get around to it. Yay. Um, but yeah, uh... What's your number two? Yeah, my number two is, uh, My Son of Koku by, uh, Rumiko Takahashi. Uh, 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 so, like, out of, uh, all of, uh, Takahashi's works that I've read, which are most of them besides, like, Mermaid Saga and, uh, Urusei Sid would kill me for still not reading a Seizure*. But uh,
1: ripping PC Lord, I will miss you.
0: Uh, but yeah, uh, yeah, *My Son the Koku* just had like such like I think a great impact on me. Just going through that series, uh, I guess just a quick context. Uh, what *My Son of Koku* is about is about a Ronin Godai. Uh, basically, like Ronin is like from an education standpoint, is someone who uh failed their initial college e- entrance exams and uh. They're basically taking like a year to study and then retake them. So it's about him kind of falling in love with uh his manager at his uh at the inn that he lives at, Kyoko is their name, and uh basically he and Kyoko kind of build this relation over the series, and basically Godai has to uh, go basically from where he is as a Ronin to becoming like a commendable, like worker in society to basically be worthy of like Kyoko's love and not necessarily fill the void of uh Kyoko's dead husband but to kind of rival it I guess in a way it just kind of is very interesting because it goes in like kind of the what what it means to really lose someone from Kyoko's perspective and kind of Godai kind of going through the different phases of uh is it is he really trying to replace uh hyoko's dead husband uh soichiro or should he try to kind of fill the void that soichiro has left but less in a replacement way and more of like kind of living in his honor and it, it, it kind of it's kind of ideas that have also even seeped into takashi's future works like inuyasha where it's kind of this, uh, kind of this idea of, like, is, is, it, is it is this relationship, is this building this new relationship really about replacing someone, or more about kind of living in their honor? So, yeah, I found it a very good read. It's also very funny. It has some great comedy. All the other residents at the inn are all great characters. Yotsuya, especially. Um... And yeah, overall, it's just this really good series. So I, I definitely would uh, recommend reading it or watching it. Um, It is fantastic. And yeah.
1: I yeah, don't know why I haven't heard of this one. Yeah,
0: it, it, it's uh, I'd say among like uh, Takahashi is like major series. And I think it's definitely one that goes a bit under the radar. Especially since it wasn't published in Shonen Sunday. It was a seinen title that uh was published in, uh, I think it was uh, Big Comic Spirits. So I think part of, with it being in a seinen magazine, like it kind of got a bit underrepresented over here, even though it did get like a full manga release and a full anime release by Viz back in the day. Well, but I'd say compared to Ranma and even Urusei Yatsura uh, and also Inuyasha, obviously, it's kind of uh, fallen more into the shadows, which is disappointing because... It's only 15 volumes, and it's fantastic from beginning to end. And for people who always find it frustrating that uh, Takahashi series don't necessarily have, like, a kind of a conclusive ending to a love interest storyline, My Son of Koku's entire story is about, kind of, that, the journey of that love interest storyline, and it has a conclusive ending with it. So I think a lot of people who kind of get frustrated with the endings, like Urusei and Ranma, would definitely enjoy my Sonokoku's handling of, like, their romance subplots.
1: Yeah, I always thought it didn't blow up because it wasn't, like, an action thing or comedy thing. I
0: mean, it is a comedy. It, ha- it, it it does have quite a bit of comedy. But it also has some, like, serious romance undertones. Oh, well. Which which is a very interesting balance, and Takahashi does a great job of handling it, which is really nice to see. That's interesting. Yeah, I guess uh, now we should go to our number ones, uh, so Yeah, Okay,
1: my number one is Full Metal Alchemist. I liked this one because it's a shonen, but it's not like the regular shonen that are usually popular here, like DBC and Naruto, it doesn't really have the annoying shonen parts, like uh, really loud characters, like Edward's not too loud. He's a little bit… he gets grumpy and gets mad if anyone calls him short or something, but he's, like, smart. He's not socially stupid, except for when you accidentally piss him off, which is kind of relatable. And then you got Alphonse, who's kind of like the cool-headed guy, and he isn't really, like, as easy to piss off as Edward, but, like, once you piss him off, like, you're basically effed. And anyways, uh, the journey they had, it felt long, but not drawn out, like, it felt like the author really knew how to tell a conclusive story in one place, and then move on to the next place and not really take a long time. And they went to a whole bunch of different places. I kind of wish they could have went to Shang, because that, that looked like it would have an interesting story arc, but I guess there wasn't really enough time. And all the characters in it were so good, like shown in, but it's like the good kind of shounen, like how everyone talks about Hunter x Hunter and Hawk Shield, but Fullmetal just kind of has a good charm because the girl characters, like in a lot of other shounen, they're just there for boobs and sex appeal. But in Fullmetal Alchemist, they're like, Winry does things and she's not like drawn to be boobs most of the time. And so is Riza. She does, like, a lot of cool stuff. She helps out Roy, especially at the end where Roy goes blind due to homunculi things, and plus she was cool. I wish she could have had more screen time. After reading it, it's it feels good to see a journey go from beginning to end and not really take a really, really long time like in one of the regular Shonen-type Megan's that we get here where it takes. Like maybe fifty or seventy-five volumes, you could take. But I guess it's really only for the mainstream ones that ended like a couple of years ago or more. Anyways, it's got that new hardcover release, and I'm gonna try to get it all because I love the show so much.
0: Yeah, the the new release by Viz looks really nice. It's like it's called like the Full Metal Edition. Yeah, of it's
1: sort of like the JoJo books. It's got the hard covering and sky color pages and it's got original art from the author too. It's it's so good, man. Yeah, I saw
0: them at my local Barnes and Noble and I'm just like, damn, if I didn't own this manga already I would totally buy these. It, I'm
1: just like so glad that a good shonen finally gets a good release here in the States. Yeah, I mean it's it's always
0: nice having like your your favorite manga. Getting like these high quality releases, I like. I'm ecstatic that we have the Jojoniums over here for JoJo because like those things are amazing. But yeah, it's not on the topic of Full Metal I- Alchemist though. I find it fitting that we talk about Arakawa twice in this podcast. It re- it really shows that Arakawa is just like a great mangaka. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Full Metal, I liked Full Metal a lot. Um, I think. At least by the time it ends, Silver Spoon is going to usurp it for me as, her, as my favorite series of hers. But Fullmetal still sold me on her as a mangaka, and it definitely is a very memorable experience from beginning to end. And I think that's why it has resonated with so many people who've both read the manga and watched the anime adaption so much in the US and also in Japan, because it really is just that good of a narrative.
1: Yeah, it's like all these people want these anime and then they recommend and they are like 200 episodes long and they don't want that. And I'm like, man, you got FOMO the Alchemist on Netflix, go watch that.
0: Yeah, I think that's the great thing about uh, FOMO Alchemist, uh, Brotherhood I guess specifically because that's the adaption of the manga is that it is a very concrete adaption. It's like 64 episodes, hits basically all the big beats of the manga in a very cohesive way. And it's just very well put together. Yeah, I think yeah, it's a very great uh, entry level series, not just for Shonen specifically, but just for anime and manga in general. Like I feel, you could give this to really anyone who's interested in like a good action series with a uh, fantasy elements, and they'd be sold on it.
1: Yeah, it definitely feels like it's sort of underrated in terms of the 2000 anime standards. Like everyone talks about Bleach and Naruto, but I'm like, nah, man, Full Metal Alchemist—that's good shit.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think now with at least, I guess, our generation of anime fans, I think Full Metal has a, maybe not as strong as presence as Naruto or Bleach, but it's definitely up there with them. Like, you, if you mention Full Metal Alchemist uh, I guess, someone our age or someone like even younger than us, like probably like in their teens, they probably. I know what Full Metal Alchemist is because it's kind of permeated in the fandom for so long. And that, yeah, but like I said, that really just shows how strong of an author Mura Arakawa is because she's able to create this series that has this huge emotional impact and investment for so many people out there.
1: So much crying, man. So much crying.
0: Yeah. Oh, man. I guess I should uh, go into my, uh,. Favorite manga now is it
1: Conan?
0: It surprisingly isn't Conan. Like some people might think it's Conan, but like it's it's not. It's another manga that I also praise a lot. Um, but I guess I I shouldn't I shouldn't uh, drag this out any longer. Um, it is a Shita no Joe by uh, Iki Kajiwara, also known as uh, Tomorrow's Joe. If you uh, have supported the recent discotech. Release of the first compilation film, which you should totally buy because it's a fantastic series and I need more of it in English, damn it. That's oldie. Yeah, it's really old. Like, Ashita no Joe was published in, uh.
1: That's like before DBZ, old.
0: Yeah, like, Ashida no Joe was published in Weekly Shonen Magazine in the late 60s, 1968 to be exact. Ran for 20 volumes and, uh,. Yeah, so I guess, like, if for those who don't know what Ashida Joe is, it's about a boy from the streets called Joe Yabuki, who wand- who initially wanders around the Tokyo slums until he's encountered by a former boxing trainer called Danpei, and Danpei gets him, tries to get him invested into boxing, and Joe kind of refuses and starts doing his own kind of little schemes until he's thrown into prison. And in prison, he meets his arrival called uh, Rikishi Toru, who is a fantastic boxer. And after meet, encountering him, he finally gets invested into boxing and tries to kind of challenge Rikishi uh, to a, into a match. And basically, they both go on the path to becoming pros so that they can defeat each other. And really, for the first half of the series, it's kind of this uh, joke trying to pursue this goal of defeating Mikoshi until a huge plot twist happens in the middle of the series, which was so huge that Kodansha held a real-life funeral for a character's death.
1: Uh, that death hurts me, the v- Lord.
0: Yeah, I- I'm not going to spoil it here because it is that huge of an event in the series but it is a big deal and it comes at such a sudden time. And from that point on, the series hits an interesting direction really kind of, uh, that really kind of gets in this kind of introspective about Joe as a character, the struggles of being a boxer, and even what it means to have a passion for boxing and just, I guess, a passion in general. And just the characters in itself, Joe's journey as a character is amazing, going from this kind of delinquent kid to this, like, genuine, like, stallion boxer who can, like, fight among the greats. He he literally came from, like, nothing and became so much. And, like, Don Pei is a great entertaining character. Uh, The main female lead, Yoko, uh, while initially kind of being a bit unlikable, in my opinion, really kind of grows on you. Really, you kind of see, like, her inner workings as a character, and why she acts the way she does. Rikishi is a fantastic character. Rikishi! God, there's just, like, so many fantastic characters in the series. Um, And I guess, like, I guess something else. The final fight of the series is bloody amazing. It's one of the greatest fights you'll see in manga. And it has an ending that has been referenced to death in anime and manga. Once you see it, once you see the end of *Shinobi*, you'll see you'll see how much it is paid homage to in so many of the other anime that you watch, and it really shows the impact that the series has had on so many people, and so many artists in Japan and animators in Japan. It it really it really is a shame that it isn't more recognized over here. Uh, because it really is that influential of a series
1: and uh,
0: i guess uh, another side note is that through like uh megalobox the anime that's currently going on in the spring season is heavily inspired by the story of Ashinojou no I and mean, it's specifically made as a 50 50th, 50th anniversary project for Ashinojou no which it's also that's also a great anime that i definitely recommend watching but i also recommend reading or watching the, uh, the uh, original Ashina no Because Ashina no Joe is just that good. And yeah, that, that kind of uh, sums up my thoughts.
1: <laughs> I still need to watch the second part of it, but I saw the first part, it was so good.
0: Oh yeah, I guess it's wor- also worth mentioning. Uh, the manga is unfortunately not licensed over here, but the discotheque release of the Ashina Nojo film covers basically part one of the anime... And Crunchyroll has Ashina no Joe 2, which covers part 2, which is probably the most critical part of the series and will blow your mind. So yeah, if you want a legal method to experience the series, I definitely would recommend buying the discotheque film and then watching Ashina no Joe 2 on Crunchyroll. But yeah, as far as the manga goes, though, the manga is fantastic. If you want to score it in some way... Go buy it off Bookwalk or Ebook Japan or something like that. I'll probably put like a link to how where to buy it in the description of this episode. But yeah. Go 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 read Ashida no Joe, it's awesome.
1: It's like the prototype of Epo. Yeah,
0: like there actually is a I think a color page that uh We can show the magazine did at one point where it's literally Epo and Joe shaking hands.
1: Oh. It, my it's it's so good. That makes me happy on on the insights, Yeah. Because I love both
0: of them so much. Like, even, like, uh, I guess, this is my new story was for Epo, obviously, but, uh, the whole punch-drunk syndrome kind of storyline in Epo is, he- it takes a lot of inspiration from the nojo as well, which is interesting, and it was kind of one of the reasons I got invested in reading Epo because I was like, oh, it seems like Morikawa's, uh, taken some uh, a no Joe inspiration. So that that's also a very interesting thing to see, that even Ippo is taking such a huge homage to Joe, even beyond just the regular b- boxing kind of visual stuff. But yeah, I think that kind of sums up our thoughts, unless you have more to say, Allison.
1: I, I, I am honestly shocked that is Conan isn't on your list in any shape or form.
0: I mean, Conan would probably be... be it's, Conan's definitely in my top ten. I'm not sure where exactly I'd put it, though. Probably, like, maybe maybe number four, number five? Because I, I do love Conan, don't get me wrong, but I feel JoJo, My Son of Koko, and Ashita Joe have just had such a larger impact on me. But, yeah, I, I still love Conan a ton. I, I wouldn't still read Conan otherwise. But, yeah, there are just some series out there that I feel hit me a lot harder
1: yeah, and, and I'm just saying, like, your avatar right now is literally a Conan character, so this is, like, <laughs> this is, like, big plot twist, right, in episode one.
0: Yeah, for for context, my Discord uh icon is, uh, Shuichi Akai from Detective Conan.
1: Yeah, the Akai guy is cool.
0: Yeah, Akai is a cool character, and we'll be talking about him, uh, in the next episode, because, uh, the new Conan chapter that's coming out will be related to him. So yeah. that'll be interesting.
1: Can you help me get context on this? Because I will basically be confused on everything.
0: Yeah, maybe, maybe we should bring Jekka on for some context.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yeah, I'll, otherwise, yeah, I will exp- explain it to you.
1: Yay. Because I am basically one of those people who started from episode 754. Because I'm like, hey man, this, this thing 20 years ago.
0: I mean, you'll probably understand, like, the general stuff that's going on, but uh, we'll we'll handle that once we get to it. Woo-hoo. But, uh, yeah. I, I think that basically concludes this episode, then. We covered everything uh, we were planning to, so yeah, I guess uh, we should just uh, plug our stuff and get out of here. Um, Allison, where can the good people find you?
1: Yeah, uh, that's, you know, 900 on Twitter. That's, um, my name is still grieving because... Of life reasons, but I am recovering.
0: That's good to hear.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: yeah, I guess uh, people can find me on Twitter at VLORDGTZ, that is V-L-O-R-D-G-T-Z, and yeah, I just generally talk about whatever is on my mind at the moment, video games, manga. I was doing a Lupin manga read-through for a while, and I might get back to that at some
1: point. Yeah, you did get all those really old volumes. And... Yeah, I, I do
0: have the entire original Tokyo Pop release of Lupin, so I'll probably get back to that eventually. Um, and aside from that, uh, you can follow the podcast itself because we also have a Twitter at Drowning in Manga. That is literally the title of this podcast. Just all as one uh, single line: Drowning in Manga. I'll put it in the description of this podcast, obviously, and uh, that's where we'll update you guys on uh, when episodes are coming out and various other stuff. If you want to like send us a question, you can DM it to that Twitter page and uh, we'll answer your question on the podcast, obviously. Um, and yeah, that's uh about it, I think. So yeah. Um, so look forward to our next episode where we will uh, cover Detective Conan and Epo in addition to what we covered this time. And yeah. maybe we'll have a series or something to talk about for the series discussion. We'll have to figure that out, I think. But for now, later, guys. 600
1: more info to go, man.